Today's podcast is brought to you by Hired at Hired.com. Hired is the platform for top developer and designer jobs. Uh, I've actually looked at this, not while I worked at ThoughtBot, of course, but in the past I've uh, considered trying this out. Uh, the basic gist is you submit uh, yourself as a candidate, and then companies send you offers uh, where they're upfront about compensation. I like that model a lot. Uh, they sort of start with some of the most important details and numbers, kind of save some time so you don't have to wade through companies that are not going to give you a reasonable offer. Hired has top companies on the platform like Facebook, Uber, and Stripe. There are full-time and contract opportunities, and it is totally free for candidates looking for jobs. You, our wonderful listener, will get a $2,000 bonus just for signing up on our special link, which is hired.com slash giantrobots, one word. I think we should have a segment of our show where we talk about online dating. I'm super down for that. You can provide the married perspective, and I'll provide the unmarried perspective. The, I sound like an old person, like, how do you kids even do it? My, I see your tweet, your, your texting all the time. Exactly. I don't get it. You can provide the old perspective. Had a big drop in married recurring revenue this month. <laughs> giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Chris. And we're going to be talking about the products that we manage at ThoughtBot. I run an app called FormKeep, which provides form backends for designers and developers. And I, Chris, run Upcase, our subscription learning platform for aspiring web developers. So you want to start? Sure. Uh, Upcase. Uh, let's start with the numbers. Okay. Uh, fun place, which mm-hmm. probably implies they went up that I'm starting with them. Uh, we are at 34,952 which is up a bit from 34730. Uh so a little over $200, 220 something like that. Nice. It's uh trending in the right direction. Um I have a rough guideline in my head if I want to be picking up about 1000 in MRR every month. Uh and we've held to that pretty solidly since October. Continuing with that, that's the I've drawn that line on my bare metrics graph cuz they now have that feature. Lovely mm-hmm. feature. Uh and that just helps me kind of calibrate to should I be concerned, should I not? So stuff's heading in the right direction. I'm happy about that. Uh, I continue trying to look at it less. I continue failing to look at my MRR less. Uh, but that's one of the failings of running a small business, I guess. Yeah, I have the same problem. Yeah, That's like my default I want to kill a minute thing <laughs> is to open up bare metrics. Yep. A bunch of small things came in this week. So there were some bigger content things, which I'll talk about in a minute, but a lot of little things, some stuff that's just been kind of sitting around for a while. So particularly... The flash message that is displayed on Upcase is this big bar that drops down and covers the navigation bar. And mm-hmm. at some point, it just started staying around. So you can't do, you can't navigate, you can't get to anything underneath. You it know was, why, right? JavaScript. JavaScript. Um, or is it CSS? Is that a CSS animation? It's probably are, JavaScript, are fancy? my guess. I'm not sure. We use JavaScript to fix the problem. So. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I mean, it's a simple enough thing. Now you thing. have two problems. Uh, <laughs> Then we're going to use a regex to solve that. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, pretty simple. Basically, if you click on the flash now, it slides back up using it the nice slide up animation. It doesn't automatically slide up? It may have at some point, but it lost that functionality somewhere in the great JavaScript fire of a couple weeks ago. But I don't isn't know. that how you'd rather? I would expect it to, to go away automatically. Uh, well, I don't think there's an automatically here. Like, I think we hand coded whatever this is. Well, I don't, right. It's, I mean, the flash is just general. It's stuff in the session that we then render into the page somehow. We chose to render it into this little banner that slides down and is fancy. So rather than restructuring that, we're just using that and causing it to slide back up. Oh, okay. So it does slide up. Now. We fixed that. That is the new feature. Do I need to click anything to make it slide up? You click on it. I think you should make it do it automatically. 
The feature is merged, and I am super happy with the feature. It also gave really? made, gave me it's the like cursor a pointer. Uh, I guess this was the simplest thing. This got it done. People will know what to do if they hover over it. They'll see that their cursor turns into uh, uh, their pointer turns into a cursor. I think it's clear. I, I agree with what you're saying, but then how long do you leave it there for, and things like that? Because often it contains useful information. If you've got an error state, it's going to show up in there, and you want to be able to read that. So this basically stays around until someone tries to interact with it, at which point it goes away. I'm pretty happy with the with that, but hmm. this is now taking up like two minutes on our podcast, and it's definitely not worth that. But I agree with what you're saying. I'm probably not going to change it. But you're, you're, the original thing you were saying is that it, it blocked the the navigation. Yeah. So it still does that. Yeah, well, you don't want the flash to stick around as a general thing. Like, I can't, I can't think of a site where I would want the flash to just stay that... after I've read it. Really? I want to read it. I want to have plenty of time to read it. So I actually like that you have to interact with it because it means it's never going to run away from me. I'm never hmm. going to be like, oh, I, I didn't read that. What was it? And you can't get a flash back either. Like, it's gone. That's the nature of it is it's this transient thing. Isn't it called so. a flashback? <laughs> Is so that that we is? fixed the flash. So anyway, I, I think if you're going to leave it on the page, you should embed it in the actual layout as opposed to have it cover navigation elements. But I'm going to be honest, I thought it was at one point. Sometimes things change uh, in upcase in ways. We also have uh, differing layouts, and we might have merged two of them at one point. That caused us to kind of switch how the flash was rendered. This fixes it, and I'm quite happy with the fix. But you're, what you're saying you're is relevant. Happy. I'm just probably not going to work on it anymore, Okay, if we're being honest. <clears throat> uh, the forum had... Um, not been seeing a lot of attention. There's a lot of posts in there, and often myself or Gabe or someone else uh, on the ThoughtBat side is the best person to answer it. Mm -hmm. uh, and for a while, uh, I've just been focused on other things, so I caught up in the forum. I also got Gabe uh, integrated into the forum, so he's now got a proper user set up in there. There was a weird conflicting user situation, but now he's in there. He's watching some stuff. Uh, so for Upcase users, you'll see more of us in the forum. Which I think is, is one of the unique values that Upcase has. It's mm -hmm. uh, kind of the access to comment and to discuss things within the ThoughtBot community and have access to that. So want to make sure we hold true to that. Mm -hmm. We also, uh, we've been talking about this for a long time, but we finally just pushed through, actually implemented everything we need, and then introduced the copy. So each topic page and a number of the trail pages now have a more fleshed out description. So the on-page copy has been updated to be more representative, a little bit more of a sales pitch. So particularly the Vim topic page was a, a great example of this. Uh, historically, it has said a text editor first introduced in 1991. I think that's it. I might be getting the date wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, it's power lies in its key bindings and plugin architecture, something like that. Very abstract thing, not really selling anyone. And so now it's, uh, it's actually two paragraphs. There's a little bit of JavaScript. I know how you love JavaScript. That allows that to kind of expand out and read more. Uh, but each of the pages now has relevant copy about the thing. We also have meta descriptions and title tags for each of those that map to uh, the best practices and our understanding of our audience and what they're going to be searching for and all those things. Mm -hmm. um, so again, kind of just a little cleanup task, but I'm happy. That's kind of a thing that I can put out of my head now. I feel good about where that's at. We can always update it later, but that's that's good. I'm, I'm happy there. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Yeah, I remember that had been a suggestion from like a while back. Yes. So. And we kind of just dragged our feet on it for a while. There's a little bit of technical implementation. That finally happened. And then there was kind of reviewing the copy. And I definitely found myself in a place of perfect is the enemy of the good. I'm trying to produce benefit-focused text there. So Vim is a great text editor that has all of these features. Not that. We want to mm -hmm. say something to the effect of Vim makes you feel powerful and in control. It's like a video game in your terminal, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but also trying to sound authentic within that. I, that's a thing I struggle with. I struggled with it a little bit on this text, but finally 
uh, kind of gave myself an ultimatum and said, you are allowed to work on this for 10 more minutes and then you are done. So now Mm -hmm. they're up there and I'm happy with that. I sent out the first round of abandoned cart emails. Uh, Nobody's replied yet, but I am hopeful. Uh, Looking at the number of people that are falling into that space, the idea of someone who authenticated on the checkout page. Mm -hmm. That's that's special. That means something. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm excited to be thinking about that and to be working on it. Nothing big happening there, but, you know, I have some wording. I have some things that I'm comfortable with and starting to work with that. Uh, Made some changes on the topic pages as well. So we have a tile for each of the weekly iteration episodes associated with that topic. Hmm. So if you're looking at the workflow page, upcase.com slash workflow, towards the bottom of the page, you'll see a bunch of little rectangles that reference a video on the weekly iteration. Mm -hmm. They were using the notes for some reason. So even if there was a summary, and the summaries are the more purposeful, again, kind of sales benefit-oriented text, Uh, It was ignoring those, and it had tiny, tiny little pictures, 16 by 16 pixels. Uh, And it also said the weekly iteration on every single one, which didn't seem super useful. So I've Mm -hmm. restructured all of that. The pictures are now 72 by 72 pixels, which is a lot bigger. Uh, So for two hosts, which most weekly iterations have, there are now two large uh, and very friendly avatars because everyone here at ThoughtBot, we get the headshots, so we all have those in there. And we're using the actual summary text now, which is, again, a much more inviting body of text than just the first line of the notes. Mm -hmm. The notes are meant to be the kind of practical, useful thing associated with the video. Uh, And again, that's that's a recommendation that uh, our marketing team had given us a while ago that it just kind of sat around. And then one day I was working on something on the topic page and I was like, I am am not happy with these. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that'll be good. I think that works well on kind of the conversion end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Uh, We sort of universally seen that adding more pictures, adding more faces, more ThoughtBot faces helps. And I think the text is also now much better. Uh, Also, I I think that will affect from an SEO perspective because we now have more topical words on those pages, but more I was thinking about it from a user perspective. How do I know if I want to watch this video? Mm -hmm. We now have a a better sales pitch on each of them. I love fixing those little things that have been hanging around for a while that are like pretty simple and straightforward to get to. Yeah. I I find those fun. This one started real simple and then I kept poking and it was mostly design stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And it got a little more complicated. And then I found lots of stuff kind of scattered throughout the app where we we're using the same sort of truncate and HTML body of text down and display it somewhere. So mm-hmm. I refactored and brought those together. So overall, I think this was a good cleanup and I'm happy with that. But yeah, it, it feels good to have that in there. That page looks very different now for this uh, and in a way that I, I think is good. I have a question for you. Yeah. You made me think of a thing. A thing? It was a TDD question. Okay. So imagine you have a page where you're showing a bunch of attributes for a model. Okay. Like for us, we have like a plan, like you're signing up for a plan. Yep. And we're asking for your credit card. And one of the things I want to display on there is price. I've Mm -hmm. already got the plan name and the plan description and the blah, blah, blah. But I want to add like another attribute from the plan. Would you write a test to say we should see the price, view spec, integration spec, something like that? Um, probably a view spec. I guess the question is like, is that an important business consideration? Can you make a matcher that says, and it should show the plan and that kind of splats out into it shows these three elements of the plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I tend to let the, uh, spoken version of a spec guide how I'm writing it. So like I want to say, and it should show the relevant details Mm. of the plan. Hmm. And then I'll abstract away, like I'll pull that out into just a support method in the spec file mm-hmm. that cl- that collects all those together. Mm-hmm. But okay. I think that's one of those that falls into a gray area and everyone's going to kind of have a slightly different answer. Yeah. This happened to me today and I was like, do I, is this worth the test? Like another, like, I, heard, I sort of have this like rough idea in my head of like, sometimes when I put new stuff in the view, I'm not going to test it. Yep. Like if I added a new line that had no 
interpolated data in it, I wouldn't be like, oh, and then I should see this new paragraph tag with this contents. Yeah. And so like if I'm just putting another one that happens to be model details, like does that matter? Yeah. I mean, I think there's also like, are you using test-driven development and will that test help you drive the implementation? You're kind of just interpolating some data into a view. So yeah. that's relatively straightforward. Is it something that you think might break down the road and you want to have a regression test against? Maybe, Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, digression, uh, but it digression. Let's see. So we chatted about the weekly iteration thing. So that's a nice, I don't know, conversion-y thing, marketing, mm -hmm. what have you. Uh, and now to the, the core uh, content. Since last we spoke, uh, I actually just finished recording the weekly iteration right before sitting down at this lovely podcast desk with you. So that's cool. We got another four weekly iterations in the bag. Sweet. Um, Derek was uh, one of the co-hosts, and that was excellent, as always. Uh, but also, I was able to invite Tute Costa from our New York office down. He's particularly passionate about open source, mm -hmm. and in general, he's just kind of another ThoughtBot voice. Mm -hmm. And one of my goals of late is to bring as many different people into what we're doing on Upcase. Mm -hmm. uh, and in particular, I knew that Tute had this deep interest and real passion for open source managing and contributing to open source. So reached out to him. He was able to make the trip down. And so now he's going to hang out for a few days. And overall, I'm, I'm very happy with that from not necessarily from an Upcase business perspective, but from a, a broader ThoughtBot and how Upcase fits within Upcase. Mm. Uh, for how Upcase fits within ThoughtBot, that one. I like it from the customer perspective, perspective yes. as well. It's oh, just, yeah, It's definitely. nice to see new faces and get a new kind of energy. Yes. And the fact that you can pick someone like Tute, who is super passionate about his topic, yes. versus convincing someone else to do a weekly iteration with you on open sources. That's nice. uh, That was the thinking, and uh, it definitely worked out. He came down. Uh, he's actually writing a book on the topic, so he had plenty of material prepared. Uh, we actually mostly had to do work to pare it down and, and find <laughs> yeah. the select ideas that, that would fit well in video, that would fit well as a conversation between he and I, and then kind of point out at the book as additional conversation. Uh, to that point of getting more people in and, and the value to the user, uh, I've actually been making a purposeful goal of getting less of me in Upcase. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm in a lot of things, and that mostly, I would say, comes from laziness is a little strong, but it's, it's easiest for me to schedule me into a thing. Mm -hmm. I'm on this full time. I know how to do it. I can just kind of get up there. Uh, and in particular, we recorded a course on Friday. Uh, this was a few days ago, so just after our last recording. And originally, I had been planned to be the co-host on that. So it was going to be me and Harry Schwartz. But about four weeks ago, I was realizing that I'm, I'm kind of in everything. And that's not what Upcase is about. I am the person that's kind of most leading the project, but that doesn't mean I should be in everything. Uh, so I made the choice to try and actually remove myself from some of it. And in that case, I got Ian Anderson to be the other host. Hmm. Uh, so I'm not in that course at all, but I did stay very close to it. I helped with uh, writing up the outlines, figuring out what we want to say, what we don't want to say, what sort of exercises should we have. And then uh, in a very unique spin of things, I actually sat in on the entire recording session and acted as, I don't know, producer, director, director. Mm -hmm. Uh, Statler and Waldorf, guy sitting in the audience yelling stuff out. Mm -hmm. uh, Chief Heckler, yeah, that's that's my title. I think it went well. It was it was interesting. I've done enough of these that I have kind of consistent starting phrases. Hey, and welcome to the weekly iteration. They might not be great, but they're things that now are are comfortable and easy and come to mind for me. Mm -hmm. So I was able to help fill in those, and I was also just another set of eyes, another another set of ears. I guess is a better way to put it. Um, so I was able to point out, uh, maybe you could phrase it this way. Let's emphasize that and de-emphasize this. And we, we did a few different times. We actually would do retakes. Uh, and I think in general, it improved it. It, mm -hmm. it helped. I'm sure it did. 
thinking that meta thoughts, like, is this clear? Is a clear way to do this while you're recording is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So having someone who can just kind of sit there and focus entirely on that is so useful. Yeah. So I don't know what the future looks like with regard to that, but I, I think the process was good. And I think the idea of I'll certainly be in a lot of the content moving forward, but it definitely should not be as strongly me as it has been. Uh, and so I'm excited that we're, we're figuring that out. Hmm. Yeah, I think that about covers it. So how about you, Ben? What have you been up to? You know, product stuff. So I discovered an interesting thing earlier this week, which is the A-B test I have been running is completely bogus. Oh, no. Yeah. Like uh, the data that you're collecting is invalid? Yeah. Aww. So... Um, the test was, um, do people who are offered a trial versus a guarantee convert at different rates? Okay. And it turned out I had missed some places where we had promised people a trial. Whoops. And so in both branches, we promised, promised people a trial, at some point at least. Eesh. And so that's not a good test. And so <laughs> I fixed that and reset the data. We'll run so, it back. So yeah, we're back to zero, uh, which is kind of a bummer. That is kind of a bummer. But uh, you know, you live and you learn. It's A-B testing is pretty hard. It is so hard. It's pretty hard to do a valid test. There's a lot of ways you can screw it up, it seems like. Yes. And there's a lot of, I feel like there's been more and more conversation on the internet lately. I don't know. Maybe this is just because my focus is on it. But people talking about, well, it got to statistical significance, but that actually didn't mean anything. And I nearly tanked my business because I believe this thing. Or uh, there was a great article on Intercom that I was reading that was talking about local maximums. Right. And the idea that A-B tests can allow you to do these kind of minute dialing in. Mm. But you might actually need to fundamentally rethink this aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just the idea of having a testing budget is this concept that I've had to come around on. There, I can only test so many things at a given time. Mm -hmm. and what Do I just not do the other stuff or do I wait or? Yeah. So, you know, we'll get the hang of it eventually. We will. I think part of it is also just wisdom. Like get a, that wasn't really a thing about A-B testing. That was just like a lack of thoroughness on my part. Yeah. Like when I deploy, when I push that change, I should have run through the process more thoroughly and paid yeah. more attention. Did you have someone doing acceptance on that? Uh, no. Yeah. And I that think was, that was a thing that almost certainly would have caught it. Yeah. When you and I were on Upcase, we had a, a brief period where we decided to eschew acceptance and just weren't doing it anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, came to regret that <laughs> acceptance. Yeah. It almost feels, I don't know, worthless when you're like, all right, cool. Here's how you ex do acceptance. Go to staging. Go to this page. Do this thing. I, I can see it. I know it's working, mm -hmm. but... Almost always, it's useful to get that outsider perspective. And yep, I've been doing that, that more now that Joe has been spending more time on form keep. We've been doing yep. an explicit uh, acceptance step. It's good, which would have caught this, I think, and saved a week of you know time. Oh well, and that's too bad too because I was excited about the results. Yes, so well, I, I mean we remain excited about the results. Well, just take a little longer. No, I mean I was excited about whether was the results had been had gone so far. Oh. Whereas like we were seeing basically equal conversion between the two. And I was like, this is great. I'm going to you know, turn off trials and there'll be no detriment. Uh -huh. And it's like, oh, I was promising everyone a trial. So this tells me nothing except that nothing. <laughs> so that happened. Yep. Uh, but now we're back and I reset the data and we're collecting new ones and, mm -hmm. and yada, yada. But that's not to say that everything is great because we are spending so much time fixing bugs. Yeah? Yeah. Wait, are you saying that's a good thing or a bad thing? No, it's a bad thing. Oh, that there are bugs yeah. to fix. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 So... Particularly, these are bugs around payment code, which payment is, code is tricky code. It feels like, oh, Stripe has given us this infrastructure, therefore we'll be fine. Except there's just so much more code to write, and it's actually quite squirrely. You ever open that Stripe dashboard and do anything manually in there? Because I sure do. Oh, yeah, all the time. 
Stuff gets weird constantly. when you do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly fixing stuff right now. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, for some reason your Stripe subscription ID is not set, but you have a subscription over at Stripe. Yeah. Let me go put this over here and let's try to figure that out sometime, huh? Yep. We're also in a particularly complex situation, which is there are like three simultaneous pricing models mm-hmm. in the FormKey world. So it's really hard to, like, when you make a change or see a person, like, which pricing thing are you under? What does that mean? And, like, how do I make sure that this is broken, is not broken? So um, I, I think it's going to get a lot easier pretty soon once I finish, uh, once we rip out all the old pricing models. Mm-hmm. It'll simplify the logic. It'll take out a bunch of code, which is nice. Um, but right now we're we're struggling a little bit. Hmm. I saw a weird thing. Oh, man. I saw a weird thing where someone signed up for a trial for like one of our more expensive plans, and then like when the trial ended, it canceled. And Stripe says this is an automatic cancellation, but it's not clear why it canceled automatically. Oh. And so it's like, no, this. Don't cancel things. And now you have to email that person and be like, hey. Well, he, emailed, he, he emailed me. I was oh. like, I can't add forms. And I was like, that, what? And so I went and like, I was like, why don't you have a this? And, like, and then I was like, oh, you don't have a this. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. And there's this thing where it's like, okay, this is a customer. And he was like, how soon can we fix this? So he was in a hurry to mm. get this fixed. And so I was like, okay, well, I can fix this manually right now. But what's wrong? <laughs> like, are other people getting automatically secretly canceled? Like, who else is broken? Also, fix this manually right now. Uh, you're having a lot of uh, billing-related fun. Manually fixing things doesn't always lead to not having to fix them again later. Totally. Yeah. 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 So I'm swimming against that stream of yep. complexity. Do you feel like you're improving the application in such a way that hopefully down the road you'll see less of this sort of stuff? Or is this, in your mind, kind of par for the course? I think it's going to get a bit better, like okay. I said, when we are down to one pricing model, <laughs> which really should be enough for anyone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're going to come up with another one the, as soon as you're down you're, to one. You're damn right. Yeah. But maybe it'll at least be like the prices are higher. I think, honestly, <laughs> my takeaway is going to, uh, of all my time making SaaS apps so far, is don't try to be innovative and clever in your pricing model. Just go with something that looks pretty standard mm-hmm. and then focus on making the app really good. Like, I, I think FormKeep didn't really gain anything from all its fancy, fun, different pricing models. Hmm. Over if we just started with like a, the stupid, simple B2B SaaS pricing grid, yep. you know, like three plans, 29, 49, 99 or something to get started mm-hmm. and then just focus our efforts on like, okay, how to make the product awesome. So that's kind of, that's that, I think that's my core takeaway. Don't innovate on the pricing model unless you've got something, unless it's something so special and unique and, mm-hmm. and like your product for some reason is much better if you do it that way. The next time you tell me you're going to innovate with your pricing, I'm going to remind you of this. No, no, no. I should definitely keep doing it. Oh, everyone else. No, no, no. I, I mean, you, you certainly should try some of that stuff I've told you to, but uh, I'm, I'm done playing around with that for now. Yeah, that's fair. I, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by some of the... Let's make it a multi-month. Let's make it different, not just a, hey, you're paying $29 a month for access to this stuff. Yeah. But position it differently. It's more of a course. It's more of an adventure that you go on a, a holistic thing. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Uh, but for now, I, I kind of want to just keep... Yeah. We've I'm, been seeing wins. We've been seeing kind of systematic gains. And so for as long as that keeps working for me, I kind of want to keep going in that systematic direction because switching to an alternate pricing model will be a major upheaval. I actually don't even know how to approach that mm-hmm. the thing that we're talking about like i could just yep. raise the price and try that right um but for reasons that we've discussed on previous episodes not uh, that jazzed by that right now so the one thing to be careful about is this guy i know was talking about local maximum recently and uh how <clears throat> sounds like a jerk yeah, sometimes you can get kind of stuck just trying to find that local max yep so you know yeah 
Uh, so I'm legitimately that's that's definitely a valid point. I think this is not that case because I think the things that we're doing, like general SEO wins, will probably carry over to any new pricing model. Mm-hmm. We might have to target a slightly different audience and have a little bit of different, you know, wording, but fundamental infrastructure around being able to change the copy on a page, useful. Getting good copy on the page now, getting more links in, et cetera, all of that seems good. Building out the right content that will be correct for that audience whenever I get them. It all feels good, but price has sat for, I don't know, a year and a half, two years now is kind of the same thing. So Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying now is the time for you to try this, yeah. but I, I think... I think it might be a worth experiment experiment worth doing. For I you. think this is the perfect value of this podcast. I tell you not to uh, mess with your pricing. You tell me to mess with my pricing. And somewhere right in the yeah. middle of us yeah. is this uniformly correct human. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with how the form keep pricing is shaped. Mm-hmm. I might tweak. I'm going to tweak certain things. Like I think uh, I'm looking for things like great features to add to the upper tiers. Yeah. Um, I might drop the solo plan. Uh, but based the rough shape of it, I think is going to stay the same, yep. and I'm happy with that. I definitely like the the feature differentiation. Right now, you've just got the form count. Uh, I'm I'm big time sold on the power yeah. of being able to bump people up to the next level totally. by. Well, it's only got the Zapier there, so Zapier. I don't know how to say yeah, that. But, I think yeah. it's Zapier. But yeah, uh, agreed. So um, speaking of price stuff, yeah, how's it going? Someone, well. Good. We're, we're past 14 days, right? Uh, basically, as of today. Okay. So uh, this is actually probably a little early to start. It's seeing, still a bit early, but yeah. I'm seeing our first people convert okay. into paid people from the trial, which is pretty cool. It's probably a small enough number that looking at any sort of uh, percentages is not reasonable. At yeah, this point. I so actually we'll stopped to... writing in the pre- in the spreadsheet. <laughs> we're going to see the real number soon enough. That yeah. it's kind of like okay, I'm making up. A f- I'm looking at a fantasy yep. number now. Who who cares? Let's. I'll, I'll wait seven more days and then I'll have the, the real data. Yep. So in a week's time, we in theory can talk about this and start to see uh, numbers that we're hopeful for. We're hopeful that they're gonna they're gonna pop in a good way. Yeah, and it's cool. Like uh, we're billing people who are new customers, like fifty nine dollars that signed up two weeks ago. Yep. So that's pretty cool. Whereas I think that person would have probably spent a lot less money, like one dollar, possibly one dollar. We have people <laughs> that are spending one dollar. So yeah, I'll have I should have some more interesting data later. Unfortunately, I don't think Bear Metrics will tell me my trial to conversion trial to paid conversion i don't think they like they don't have that exposed i'm gonna have to go do something yeah you might have to and, and i'm not sending enough events to amplitude slash mixed panel slash segment to answer this question yet so i think the next step is actually more instrumentation to make this easier to do later but yeah well you'll see you can look at was a trial canceled versus was a trial continued i think that data is in stripe you'll have to probably do it the data is in stripe i'll just I wish Bear Metrics would just give me a roll up, yeah, and say uh, your trial to conversion percentage or trial yeah. trial to paid percentage across feels the plans like something that's in, in their wheelhouse. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I'll talk to Josh. <laughs> I'm gonna see him next week. Actually, are you gonna microconf? I am going to microconf. I'll have fun. Yeah, it's actually one of the items on my list. That's I mean, in Vegas. It is in Vegas. So cool. Um, You're excited for that adventure? I am. Yeah, I'm yeah. super excited. It seems to be exactly exactly the right crowd. Yeah, uh, it's like people that are doing what we do. Yeah, I think we've talked about startups for the rest of us enough times on this, and and Rob, particularly Rob Walling and Drip, and all of those yep. adventures. That uh, yeah, I I definitely enjoy that voice, that particular point of view about businesses, and you know the idea of profitability. You, you want that, uh-huh. uh, and bootstrapping and things like that so and, and just the size too it's not like giant venture funded yep. like i went to business of software a couple of years ago mm. and it was interesting mm-hmm. but some of the talks were like 
what do you do when you're getting ready to IPO? <laughs> and they were like, I'm the CEO of the, like a $500 million, like just like these enormous things. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's hard to relate to this. Um, microconf feels micro-y. It's, you know, it's more targeted at people that are running things this roughly the size of that we are, I think. Well, this will be great. You'll have to take lots of notes, and then next week I can uh, ask you questions about microconf. Yeah, um, as you might imagine, I'll probably be very excited and have lots of ideas, <laughs> and a lot of them will be wildly impractical. No pricing changes. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's that's for sure. The uh, it's although it's funny, the, I feel like the unofficial mantra of microconf is charge more. Mm. So you know, patio eleven definitely uh, voices that pretty hard. Yeah, totally. He's gonna be there too. I think we're gonna be we're gonna chill. It's gonna be me and him in a hot tub all week. Maybe not. There's still tickets. There's not still tickets, but some people are like have extra tickets if you want to like schedule a last minute conference excursion. It's definitely one of the few business related conferences that I'd even consider. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, I, th- I think I will hang out here and just get it secondhand from you slash uh, startups for the rest of us when they talk about it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I've actually I submitted a uh, talk. Uh, to or an attendee talk and oh. had it accepted. Really? What yeah. are you talking about? Uh, I'm actually talking about concierge onboarding, like oh. manual onboarding of people, which nice. I did for briefs that uh, side project that I've been working on. And then you did it a little bit for Formkeep as well, right? Uh, yeah, I did a few for Formkeep, but mm-hmm. like six people or something, uh, and something I want to do more of in the future. But mm-hmm. for briefs, we make everyone sign up for it while sharing their screen with us, mm-hmm. and that has been super useful. So I put together a talk and it got accepted. Are you still doing that with briefs? Mm-hmm. How many people are signing up these uh, days? Of those? Not a ton. Uh, we're at like 80 people, something like that. But okay. we've onboarded all 80. So, And that's split between you and Chris. Yeah, okay. roughly. So, And the, the rate right now is slow enough that it's fine. And we actually have a designer who's working with us as well. So he's like doing some too. I was like, hey, man, you should learn how to do this. It's fun. Yeah. So uh, talking about that, it's, it's nice. I've kind of crossed that threshold where... It goes from like, oh my god, this talk is going to be terrible, to like, this talk might not be terrible. <laughs> uh, so that feels pretty good. It's only 12 minutes, which is nice. I love, yeah. I love short talks. Although so uh, you do have to contend with the, uh, I apologize for the length of this talk. If I had any, if I had more time, I would have made it shorter. Right. It is hard to trim down a talk into yep. its, its essentials, but I think the time, the time pressure makes it easy in a sense. It's mm-hmm. like you start the timer, and if you get to the end and you haven't yep. said the important stuff, you know you have to change stuff. Yep. So it's an easy forcing function in my mind. To me, it's actually much harder to make an entertaining talk and hold attention for 30 minutes mm-hmm. than to force yourself to pare down to the essentials and talk for 12 minutes. Yeah. Like, I'll take that latter challenge anytime. I prefer it. I definitely like the challenge. It is a challenge, though, and something that you have to work towards. Like, if you weren't putting in sufficient time, oh, 12, totally. you, you just get to the end of 12 minutes and you'll realize you're halfway through for the sure. content that you wanted to for do. Sure. So, uh, but given the right effort, I love that length of talk. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. You can. My view on talks in general is I want you to pique my interest, not teach me. I don't want you to like yep. give me the full knowledge of a thing. Yep. 12 minutes is great for that. 30, oh, okay. 45, I don't know. Just show me a blog post now. I'm with you. I got it. Yep. Or I'm not. And the more time is not probably going to win that. The other thing is like this conference, it's a multi-day conference and there's multiple other uh, attendee talks at the same day that I'm talking. Mm-hmm. A- and people are talking in the hallway. And, like, I imagine everyone will be swimming in ideas. Yeah. You know, like, there's not going to be a lack of information. Mm-hmm. And so I figure I have maybe one or two interesting th- things that I can get in people's heads. Yep. Maybe, like, 10% of the audience will, like, write down a thing I said. And like, oh, maybe we should try this with whatever. And that's kind of all I'm going for. Yeah. So I'm telling – I broke the talk into a series of three stories. So each one is a story and then like like some like lessons learned at the end of it. <clears throat> How are you going to deal with your crippling anxiety and inability to talk in front of groups? <laughs> Power posing. Power posing uh, pretty hard. Uh, telling stories. All of these sound familiar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love stories. Stories are great. Stories are, are a great way. I feel like that's a great way to start a talk in particular. Mm-hmm. People are just wired to listen to stories. They totally dig it. Indeed. Um, so yeah, I've been working on that. It's kind of got a, l- a little bit less done this week because I was spending time doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's... I almost 
I, I, I don't know. It's a professional effort thing. I think it's reasonable to work on it at work. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, I mean, I'm convinced. <laughs> good. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. This is my first like speaking engagement in like the software businessy world. Yeah. Like I've done a million Ruby ones, but I mean, unless of, like, you count this podcast. Right. But I haven't done any like, hey, I run a business. Yep. Here's what we should talk about. So I'm excited to kind of. I don't know, hopefully maybe raise my profile just a tad in that world. Mm -hmm. Like, how, yeah, it's kind of nice. Yeah, you should uh, keep an eye out for folks that we might be able to talk about on, talk to on the podcast as well. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a million. Yeah. And like you said, kind of uniquely in the space that both of our businesses operate in. Mm -hmm. Totally. Cool. So there's that. Uh, I've been sending out a few hundred additional um, grandfathering emails. These are the things that tell you like, yep. hi, I'm your grandfather. <laughs> Um, no, wait, that's something else. Uh, this is uh, where we tell people what their new pricing will be. And I actually need to finish sending these out because I can't change the prices until 60 days from the time I tell the last person. <laughs> yeah. Because I say 60 days in it. So I've been doing it in batches because I was like, I wasn't sure how angry people would be. Right. Or if they would all have the same question. And so I wanted to do it like, I'm going to send 100 and then yeah. another 100 and like just see because maybe everyone will have the same question. Like, and I you might answer it. Like have an FAQ or something. Exactly. Like that. Like or just, put it into the. Yeah. Totally. But now I've been sending, uh, the last batch I sent was 400 of them. And there were a couple people that had a had an issue with it, but it was because there was a bug, of course, in the payment code. Go figure. Uh, so it was like we thought their account was in one state, but it was actually in another state. But that's fixed now. So I think I can actually blast out all of these just about and be done and then start the timer nice which yeah be cool. that sounds like a useful thing because 60 days is um it's a non-trivial amount of time yeah so. i'm gonna try to not send the rest of them on april 1st <laughs> good luck they're like are you shitting me <laughs> oh wait it's a joke okay so speaking of pricing and all that someone accused me oh god of using a dark pattern like a dark hat market. What What do you mean by a dark pattern? A dark pattern. Is this a pun? I don't understand. It's not. So um, a dark pattern is a user interface decision you would make if you wanted to manipulate and fool your users. Wow. I didn't customers. even know that there was a term for I mean, certainly I understand that this art form exists, but yeah. So this person was upset because when you're on the checkout page entering your credit card, we tell you what your plan is, but we didn't tell you how much it costs per month. Hmm. Now, I thought this was okay because, to my knowledge, the only way to get to that page was to click on a pricing plan that was mm -hmm. like, I want this plan. And then it would take you to the next page and be like, okay, you're getting that plan. And you already knew what the prices were because you already there were big numbers and you clicked on the, the one that was the button that was near that. But I forgot about our call to action in the header, which is like this blue, like, start your form or yep. get your form or whatever it is button. Yeah. And that one just defaults you to one of the plans. And so you see the plan name, but we actually never showed you the number. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, man, he's right. So, as of now, we share we show the price on checkout. That seems nice, and no more dark pattern. But it's it's so interesting the way like everyone. I think I was struggling with this myself last week. But it feels it's one of them these natural things where like it's so easy to ascribe something to malice. Yes, right. And his mind yeah. is like, you are trying to screw me. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I'm just an idiot. I promise. <laughs> like I just can't remember the fact that there are more than one. There's more than one link to this page. Yeah. It's, I just, I'm just dumb. And that's, that's what they say, like, never ascribe to malice what can be explained by ignorance. Yeah, that's... Which is pretty good advice. It is. Because uh, you had your humanitarian award for <laughs> yes. uh, customer support yes. like two weeks ago, and uh, this falls into that same thing. He's been pretty nice. We've emailed a couple times since. He's just been just another, another person. Friends. Just a human. Yeah, we're, we're BFFs now. It's interesting, though, because you really don't know. There are businesses online that are doing this, and sure. you don't know which side you're on. And especially if you do feel wronged, I get people reaching out and saying that. Yeah. 
uh i try again to operate on the other side it's like ah, i'm gonna assume they didn't mean to do this and especially if you reach out and you say i want a refund i got tricked and they say yeah absolutely so sorry we did not mean to trick you. Here you go. Mm-hmm. But I can understand people being unhappy in those situations. Yeah, so. and I honestly think it was it was good to point out. I was like thankful that they pointed it out. And now I'm going to email the person. I got to actually make a note. Uh, email Dark Pattern Guy. <laughs> you going to put him in your phone as Dark Pattern Guy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's yeah, he's in there. So yeah, that's fixed. No more dark patterns. I'm sure I'll accidentally do three or four more. Sure. In my career, these but. things are hard. We were uh, we had an interesting conversation on a coffee walk the other day about just software and complexity and how uh, how it's difficult. And I feel like this sort of thing is, is also true. Mm-hmm. Trying to keep in mind all of the different states that my UI might be in, all of the different ways people might come there. I often, when I'm working on the app, I work on it in desktop view, in Chrome, as a signed-in user with a subscription. Each of those is a variable that yep. has a, at least two discrete states. And, and they're multiplicative. They are. Uh, the thing that I've actually been deciding that I kind of want is something that screenshots in the different states uh, with given seed data, with given like for a subscriber on this page who has completed a trail on mobile. Show me all <laughs> of that. Uh, it's totally possible. There are actually apps. Uh, Percy.io is one that people have tried. It's a visual regression testing thing. Uh-huh, yeah. I don't want that level because I want to be able to vary design. But I wouldn't mind if there were a thing that could just spit me out a wall of screenshots of my app, and I can just click through and be like, oh, no, that one's totally broke. I hosed it when I made this other change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, Litmus run by Paul somebody. Uh, he's actually been a guest on the podcast. So they, they do email previews. Yeah. So you send them your you get you get you give them their HTML and they show you your email in like a million different. They're email actually running clients. VMs and like doing. Yep. Outlook. Yep. There's crazy BlackBerry. Yeah. yeah. There's all kinds of crazy madness and they're like apparently just crushing it. They're like a huge business. Yeah. Because people need that because like if you care enough, then you actually like I need to see this on. 40 different email clients and to email make sure is a dark works. art where you must apply dark patterns exactly. to get it to look right, <laughs> right exactly dark patterns um, yeah so I'm still looking this is something that I kind of toy around with whenever I get annoyed enough that I broke something because I was looking at it not yeah. in all of that combinatoric explosion of states um, and there's there's I've even kind of added new ideas into the app there's this idea of a sampler now within upcase yeah Free I think loader. it's really useful from a business perspective but that that just multiplied every yep. single other thing. Yep. And it means I have to think about it in all of these different states. And it's a really important one because that's where I'm trying to do a lot of conversion work. And it's hard. I'm starting to, th- yeah, I mean, I probably already felt this way, but it's just kind of con- like confirming it for me. That it's like the smaller your app, the better it, it will be for you, I guess. Particularly for us as small yeah. product managers where there's not like a QA team and four developers and mm-hmm. like plenty of time to go through the backlog. It's like we might just have to make pragmatic decisions where it's like it's too hard to have three pricing models. We have to go down to one, even though I would, I would love to grandfather yeah. people forever. That would be like a nice thing to do. Yeah, but I can't because the the penalty is too high. There are definitely plenty of things that we've uh, we've kind of done on Upcase that fit into that removing content because we felt it didn't quite fit with the core audience that we're trying to build. Right, simplifying things, cutting out like single videos. We dropped a bunch of those just because they didn't fit within the rest of it. But finding that optimization point between this is worth putting the effort in, this is worth the code to support it, and that code has a cost. It's an ongoing maintenance and complexity cost. I have Joe Ferris's voice in my head whenever I'm writing code. Yeah. And it's basically like, are you sure you need to write that code? You're writing it in JavaScript. Are you sure that needs to be in JavaScript? And it's a really useful voice. 
and it has actually stopped me from writing some code. I'll say yeah. that. No, I think it's, it's, it's funny that our, our CTO <laughs> today told me, is like, code is not an asset, it's a liability. Yes. And it's like, isn't your job to make the code? His job is to provide technical leadership. Ah, uh, yes, thank you. Uh, and that's, I mean, I think that's, that's very valid technical leadership. No, it totally that's, is. Uh, probably the best it's, thing that you can do is not write the code. Super true, yeah. Just put Derek Pryor's phone number on the page. Ooh, that's the one. I like that. That's our answer to all uh, MVPs. Could you just replace it with a phone number instead of building the app? Yeah, I like that. That's yeah. great. So I have one other thing, um, which is an idea. I think it's... Uh-oh. Maybe I even told this to you. We may have talked about this already, but it's been at least a couple of weeks if we okay. have. Uh, so today I was doing support, yep. which is my favorite part of every day. <laughs> uh, it's a double-edged sword, but yeah, yeah no. with you anyway, so far. Um, so I was doing support, and it was, so e even though our tagline is form endpoints for designers and developers, we still get people that are signing up that are not super technical, mm -hmm. it seems like. And so I was talking to someone today, and he was like, my form doesn't work. It, the, the, I have setting three values, and only two are coming through. And I, was, and I realized that actually the easiest thing for me to do now is um, just ask if they can show me the form. Mm -hmm. Like, can you send me the markup or point me to a place if it's public. Right. And he said, yes, here you go. Here's the link. And so I went and checked it out and I had to fiddle with it for a little bit. The The fun thing is I just, I can reproduce it because I can change the action attribute in his form in to Chrome point it, yeah. to point at one of my own forms and then actually see like, okay, yeah, it isn't coming through. I do love that you can fiddle with everything in HTML. It's, it's so nice. And so I figured out what it was. Mm -hmm. He had messed up one of his things. And so I was like, oh, your thing is messed up. You need to change this, whatever. And I've done that a few times now. This happens from time to time. And I was like, I should just write a little thing that lets you paste your form into it and it will detect these issues. Hmm. Like you, you, because you need to match like a this form ID. validator. Yeah. Like you need to match this label with this ID and yeah. you need to have like the name attribute and like, oh, this thing isn't required. Do you want it to be required and stuff like that? Is there in existing stuff that you could do? You could probably hook into some accessibility linters. So that's, yeah. So accessibility is one axis of form quality. Um, but even just a, is your form broken? Well, I think like accessibility things will, that might be the easiest first step, even from a broken perspective, because things like what you were saying of a label and matching with the ID, mm -hmm. that will be highlighted as an accessibility fail, but it's also just, that's not going to work the way you think that works. Yeah. So my idea is to make something like this, mm -hmm. like basically a form grader or like debugger or linter or whatever right. you call it. And expose it to everyone yep and so when customers have problems say the first thing to do is to paste your form into this thing and yep. let it check you for the most common things but if it also does some nice linting like accessibility and other things like that and like oh like you could use an html5 whatever here i think that would actually be something that people might link to and might get value from yes. and would be a good kind of engineering as marketing type effort where we can write fun code uh, and have <laughs> it end up in more customers uh yeah so you, that would be a public utility i assume you can bring your code here yeah. check it out yep yeah. Maybe you just enter a URL and we go like fetch your form and then check it out and report back and like but enter your email to get your grade or something. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I think that's a great idea, particularly having the page. I think you could also, I don't know, open source it and then it's uh, like a code climate engine or something like that. Sure. Maybe. I like the, I like I the putting it on, hosting it on yes. like form keep slash. I think you definitely have form that. Form grader or whatever. Uh, yeah, actually. So like base, everything else is kind of arbitrary beyond that. But I yeah. think that is a great idea and that fits really well with like we're kind of about forms. Here you go. Totally. Here's, a, here's a reason to talk about form keep to get exactly. form keep in the conversation. Exactly. Now, yeah, I like that and a link lot. to it using form related anchor text kind of thing. You're yeah. like, here's your form validator, whatever, and then yep. suddenly like we are killing it on form related terms. Uh, I think it'd be a nice, could be a good win for us. Do you know how HTML forms work? 
Because I'm going to be honest, I don't. I often just go find a working one yeah. and be like, oh yeah, okay, so this label is this and this idea is here. I mean, by virtue of doing this, you'll become an expert on HTML forms, totally. but I don't think I could build this thing right I, now. I most know, it would take me some, I'd have to go look up some stuff. I do, like, I use simple form a lot, so yeah. it's just like, oh, I want an f.txt field, yep. and then it handles all the, the stuff. But like those subtleties about the relationship between a label and mm-hmm. uh, something in, like an option group and, and stuff like, some of the subtler elements, mm-hmm. I could figure them out, but I don't know them. I wouldn't know the like check checklist to begin with and then yeah. implement in code so but it sounds like you actually would want this oh i would want this i want this yeah. to exist in the world both yeah. for form keep and for a thing that i just want to exist in the world so yeah make I, it ben I, I think the accessibility thing is also nice too like mm-hmm. it gives it another reason to make it valuable it's yeah. like your form actually looks like it's wired together correctly yep. but you could add aria labels to all these things which mm-hmm. are a thing um, and like make it easier for people that are using screen readers or something yeah. and like that also makes the world better the world is better on a lot of fronts for that we've talked about accessibility a bunch of times on the on the weekly iteration and yep. things and totally uh yeah this this is a i think a universally good thing that you could do ben i'm excited about this i think it could be cool and it would save me some support requests as well i could just be like wins across first the thing board. to check is this have you checked this and they're like oh it's with pl-. the exception that you now you're building code and you do have to support that thing. oh but do you know what we're going to do though probably what are we going to do <laughs> well i want I was figuring this would be good. It would be good Joe Ferris bait if I tried to write this in Haskell. <laughs> oh, so it's going to do like a shell check type thing where there's a web page, it spits it out to a Haskell service in the background. Shell check? Oh, yeah. Shellcheck.net yeah, yeah. or whichever it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, who knows how it'll be put together, but maybe, maybe that's the answer. I don't know. From a technical, com- I guess otherwise it would have to be written in JavaScript and that's bad. So yeah, well, write it in Haskell. No, it could be written. It would I was to. thinking if it's client side. Oh, it wouldn't be client side, right? I'm thinking static sites because we're in form key plan. But okay, this no. would not be a static site. This no, would no. be, uh, you know, what you could do? It could be a form managed by form key. That no, never mind. I'm done. Okay. Uh, yeah, make it in Haskell and then catch a Joe Ferris to build it. Yeah, who or knows? you have to build it first and then ha- like copy him in on pull requests and then he'll make it better. Yeah, I mean, it'd be fun because I, I I'm looking for a Haskell project anyway. Yeah. It'd be fun to be working on some Haskell stuff. Feels and like it fits to parsers and parser exactly, combinators. Exactly, and stuff. it's got it's got parsing. It's nice. It would have very little I/O basically. It's like taking the thing and yeah. then like do a bunch of stuff to it and then spit out the result. Yeah, which Return is like a, so nice for functional stuff. It's just yeah. like a big pipeline. Yeah, I think it sounds like it. We'll see. This is fun on all the fronts, Ben. The only thing is, it would take probably take me a million times longer to do in Haskell than Ruby. But the question is, like, is it worth it? Like maybe as a pure businessy thing, maybe it should be written in Ruby. But there's also the fact that like it's nice to stay excited about things. I, I feel like about there's the um, there's enough enthusiasm around in Haskell within yeah. the company right now. We've got the book club, we've got enough people, and we do have a few more advanced individuals that can definitely like I think across a couple Fridays you could actually get this into good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially if Joe is working on Formkeep right now, totally. I don't know. Maybe you can find some week time too. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would see. I would just love to. I would love to do it. And so I feel like I should do it in Haskell just because it sounds fun. And I it's think like, you should. it would kind of give me a little uh, jolt of excitement. I'm bad at Haskell, but I would pair on this. Mm, cool. Right. Yeah, it's an, a terrible offer to you, I know. <laughs> this yeah. benefits me entirely, but please. Even if we're, I mean, this is the thing about pairing that I think people don't know that much is that even if you both suck at it, you'll yeah. still go better if it's two of you. Yeah, I know. When you're the less skilled person in a pair, there's a certain learning that you get. When you're the more skilled person, there's a certain learning that you get. When you're equally skilled, there's a certain learning. Totally. It's, even uh, if you're both yeah. flailing, like you can be looking at docs while I'm typing, yeah. or like you will might notice the typo that I've missed. Yes. Like, it's still better. It's yeah. still, you still go faster i think and it's like when you were um sitting in the audience watching the new course get yep. recorded just by not having your hands on the keyboard yes you can you're free to focus a little bit more and be like wait a second what if it's that yeah so that's my idea cool 
Hmm? Well, I think that'd be it, except for revenue, which I haven't talked about. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a little early to see to tell, but where are we? Four thousand nine hundred and fifty-four dollars. So we're down from a high of 53 Just yeah, just under fifty-three hundred. So hopefully that that three hundred dip there is just as you stopped getting new revenue, and right. so we've we've gone down a little bit. But hopefully that's going to pop, and over the next two weeks, let's say, yep. in two weeks' time, we'll be fully we'll be through an entire round oh. of trial to paid possible transitions, right? Yes, wonderful. F- and then it's just going to be a continuous machine of doing that, right? Yeah, that's the idea. So we'll see. Cool. So next week will be an interesting first check at that, and then two weeks out, uh, we'll hopefully be in a place, and hopefully we're just heading in the right direction. Definitely. There's also one other factor in here, which is. Um, making revenue worse a bit i believe which is i'm emailing all our customers and saying hey we're changing our pricing in 60 days mm-hmm. you're paying x soon you'll be paying y right if people are going to be paying less under the new plans they go and they downgrade right away yeah but when they're paying more they don't did i talk about this last time maybe not you don't uh, seem excited I think, uh i want you to seem more excited i mean I'm, it's it's a relevant topic i don't know it's, it's very right. exciting ben i'm very excited about it i, I want you to be excited that i realized this uh, I just want you to be proud of me. I'm so proud of you, Ben. Okay, good. Cool. Cool. I think that's it. I think that about covers it. Yeah. So I'll see you next week after MicroConf. Sounds good. Cool. Today's show is produced and edited by Tomo, 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 Tomo Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 189. Thanks for listening. You're welcome.